Welcome to another uh, episode of Concentric Educational Solutions Podcast, One Door at a Time, where we have the opportunity to interview, uh, interview and talk to superintendents and people just across the educational landscape to talk about how can we move student uh, improvement and how can we effectively improve change. We are live 2023 from NATSE. So we, you're gonna hear some background noise, some people in the background might get some questions uh, to our guests, but I have the privilege, the privilege of interviewing and have a conversation with the NAPSI superintendent of the year, Dr. Mark Bedell. Uh, the fact that I uh, that I shot you uh, an email and you reached out right away and said, sure, book me. And thank you so much. You don't understand what that means. Um, you, yeah, it, it, it's a privilege, man. So talk to us. You are the first African-American male superintendent of Anne Arundel County Public Schools, the fourth largest school district in Maryland. All right. Talk to us about your journey. Like, how does that happen? Like, from the very beginning, all the different places you traverse through the country, and now you're out in Arundel. Yeah, I feel like I'm a journeyman, David. And, okay. Um, yeah, thank you all for having me on today. Um, I started off as a substitute teacher in uh, Nashville Metro. Really? Yeah, it's crazy as heck. Um, I was working on my master's, and I was just trying to figure out <clears throat> if I'm gonna, going to teach what level do I want to work with? And that's okay. when I realized uh, middle school wasn't, I wasn't about that middle school life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, middle school is different. Middle school is different. So, <laughs> so I ended up, um, you know, leaving Nashville in 2000 and we went to Houston and I, I was working okay. in the Houston Independent School District, uh, taught there, became a principal, ended up supervising high school principals. And then okay. I left um, Houston in 2012 to go to Baltimore County. That's right. As an assistant superintendent over high schools, you know, working with Dallas and his team. Uh huh. Um, and then in 2016, I was called to lead the Kansas City Public School District That's in Missouri. Right. That's right. Um, where I was able to help restore uh, full accreditation back to that district after yes. 22 years of it not yes. having it. Um, and then the opportunity came for Anne Arundel okay. in 2022. And I just said, you know, we had four years of living there as residents when I worked okay. in Baltimore County. Uh -huh. You know, why not look to go back to that part of the country? Mm -hmm. And as a superintendent, you kind of have to know when it's time to go. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. we can overstay our, our time and, and legacies can be tarnished. Okay. And for me, I knew it was time to go. I went there and I said, y'all give me time. I'll help get the accreditation back. Okay. I did that and it was time to go. Okay. And, and also being in Anne Arundel now allows for me to bookmark my body of work because okay. not only do I have the urban experience, I but now you. I have rural and suburban experience in this mm -hmm. district that to me completes my body of work. So where are you originally from? Rochester, New York. Okay. First of all, it's cold because I just came back from there. <laughs> yes. but it, it, it's a different type of cold. It's like that off that. Yeah, it's cold. It's Lake but, Ontario cold. Yes. We have lake, yes. uh, lake effect weather and wind chill. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. I was, pretty I was up, I was up there and there was a bus and it was, uh, they had two buses, uh, Bill's Mafia and yeah. there was a, there. So they came in. So what was it like? Like walk me through your childhood. Cause Rochester, I'm assuming around that time, Kodak was huge in, in Rochester. Kodak. So was. talk to me about your early, your, your early upbringing. Um, wow. It's tough, man. I mean, I, I uh I was a ward of the state of New York growing really? up. Yeah. Um it's eight of us. We all never lived in the same house. Um 
Dropped out of school in the second grade because the teacher told me I was dumb, ugly, and wouldn't amount to anything. Okay. Um, eventually, I would become homeless during my high school years, you know, live with different people, and then ended up uh, sleeping on the couch of my grandmother's studio pretty much throughout my high school years. So didn't yeah. have a lot of guidance. Yeah. Um, there were just positive adult advocates that came into my life at different points okay. throughout my matriculation in high school that ended up allowing me to graduate. And then I had a homeroom teacher um, by the name of Mr. Barrett. Um, he had told me, you know, man, you, you're academically talented and you don't even know it because I was skipping class shooting dice okay. and I became ineligible to hoop. And that was probably the defining moment in my high school experience when I missed those six games. Yeah, um, yeah. that I, I just said, I'll, I'll never let myself ever become ineligible. And I went back to him, shared my life stuff that I was going through with him at the time. And, uh, he became a mentor along with another government teacher. They, they were the ones who said, you're going to teach one day. I wow. said, I said, nah, I'm going to the NBA. I'm here with y'all. Talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's real talk. That's what yeah. I thought, but they had planted that seed in me, you know, halfway through my 10th grade year, 11th grade year. But it just wasn't easy, man. I mean, it's life in Rochester. Yes. Was hard, man. It was hard. So you start pulling back these layers. You know, a lot of times I think that people don't understand that superintendents are human. And we have all you all have a lot of those different layers. So so you get through high school, you who? Where do you go to undergrad? I went to Fisk University. Oh, HBC. HBCU. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um needed to get away from Rochester. I had an opportunity to Go to the University of Buffalo on a um, partial scholarship for track because I was okay. actually better at track than I was with. What did you run? Um, Eight hundred. Oh, yeah. Half miler, baby. Yeah, yeah. So, half miler. Yes. Um, that was my main event, but four hundred was was something I did too. Quarter miler. Yep. But I just needed to get away from Rochester and okay. going to Nashville. Definitely was uh, was 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 also very impactful in my in my journey. So you go through that growing up in Rochester. You graduate. Now you're at HBC, uh, Fisk, HBCU. Shout out to HBCUs. I'm Lincoln University. How how did Fisk shape you? Like, what what are some of the initial things that you learned, and how did Fisk impact? I mean, you what, there? one they at an HBCU they tend to nurture you. Yes. I mean, the only way you fail is if you just don't put any efforts, right? I, I remember yes. I remember the semester I pledged, and you know we were. I mean, you know, we were just yeah. going through the stuff you go through. And, <laughs> and I, I remember taking a test one day. Uh, I think the course was world in its history. Uh huh. And I remember like writing and I'll just, I just was not in a sleep pen, pencil kept, pen kept <laughs> dropping. And the professor was like, look, you know, I kind of think I understand what you're going through. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to let you redo this. I'm going to work with right. you. And it, they just, they nurture you. Yes. So then when it's time for you to move on and if you decide you want to go to a predominantly white college mm-hmm. or university, I mean, you, your foundation is solid in allowing for you to be able to matriculate in those Absolutely. universities where sometimes you just another number. And see, what's interesting, Lincoln accepted me out of jail. I was in jail when I applied to Lincoln University. I did. I had oh. 27 months out of eight years. So I got my GD in high school diploma in prison. My frat brother, my my friends from high school who are now my frat brothers told me they were going to Lincoln and I applied to Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln let me in while I was in prison. The judge let me out early 
so I could go to Lincoln, right? So now I'm at Lincoln. Like you say, HBCUs wrap their arms around you. So talk to me about, you said you pledged. Um, shout out to Alpha Phi Alpha, but you know what I mean? That's a different story. But I was a history major. Our, de- our department chair, Dr. Levi Wachuka, rest in peace, was an alpha. So he was in my ear to be an alpha. Right. Charles Sutton was a noob. So I, he was in my ear because I had him every single, like I had him like three classes a semester. Why Alpha for you? Because I always ask that question. Um, there were a couple of reasons. One of my professors that was like my African study professor. So you were a history major? Yeah. Uh, yeah. African hey, history. Yes. Do- Dr. Yes. Revis Mitchell. Yes. And he was an alpha man. And um, and what, I, what, I, what really attracted me to the alphas, every Tuesday, I would see these guys walking around the campus and they would have on a tie and they would have on like a suit jacket. And I was like, man, you know, they just they just look different. Yes. Then I started doing research. And one of the things they would promote was their GPAs. They always had the highest GPAs like our Alpha chapter on Fisk University campus. Mm -hmm. We always we always had the highest GPAs out of the fraternities. So I was I was like, man, you know, like if I'm going to join something. Yeah. Look at how they look on Tuesdays. Look at all the stuff they doing out here in the community. Mm-hmm. And then they they also they also intelligent. That's what I want to. That's what I want to be a part of. And I didn't right. need the fraternity because I was. a. I was, you, you. So it wasn't like I was joining yes. it because, oh, this is going to mm-hmm. bring me, yep. you know, some notoriety. I just felt that that fraternity really spoke to who I am and what I stand for. And that and it resonated. And that's why I, I, I went to the smoker. So now you graduate, right, from Fisk. Where do you go to, where did you go to uh, grad school? So I went down the street to Tennessee State University. Okay. What did wh- uh, you do your master's in? Um, administration supervision. So at this point, so did you have a kind of a, a plan that I, you knew, I knew you were gonna... where I was going? You did? I, oh, well, okay. And it wasn't super Tennessee, though. I, my, my plan always was I'm going to be the best te- teacher that these kids Damn, could ever have in front of them. If my plan was never to be a superintendent, Damn. my wife would tell you the most joy that I had as an educator mm. was when I was teaching. And to this day, that stands true. And see, <clears throat> I never, my vision was to be a, an assistant principal. That was my career vision, right? I loved the classroom. I didn't want principalship. I wanted to be kind of AP because you're kind of a little bit in between. Right. And I remember I was doing, he was the former superintendent of Baltimore County, Joe Harrison. Joe Harrison. I remember doing my practicum and he sits in, and then now I'm thinking I want to be a suit. And I go into his office. It's the same superintendent's office, right? I sit down there for an hour. He gives me the Baltimore Sun. He doesn't even talk to me. And he just says, read. So I'm reading his thing the whole damn time. And he's not talking to me. I'm like, yo, this is supposed to be my practicum. He gets up out of his chair and says, if I would have gotten a speeding ticket, I would have been on the front page of the page. Do you still want to be a superintendent? I was like, oh, wow, man. Wow. Like, it, it was just kind of profound. So how then the superintendency? Like, what was the pull that got once you once that start happening? I mean, I, I worked at a low performing school okay. in the Houston Independent School District. And it was an elementary school in the regional superintendent came over one day to kind of charge up the staff. I'm going into my second year. So this is us doing teacher PD and prep. Uh-huh. I had on some hoop shirts, shorts and a tank top as I was getting my room ready. Uh-huh. And I really didn't understand 
the significance of a regional soup and executive yeah. directors. Yep. I really, I didn't know who he was. Uh-huh. I just went on the stage to charge up the team because uh-huh. I'm, I mean, I was, I was captain of our basketball team at Fisk pretty much all four years. Okay. And so it's just innate that mm. I got on that stage and said, look, man, we better than this. Yeah. Right. And yep. I charged them up. And then probably a couple of years later, we ended up, my wife was in law school there at okay. University of Houston. But we ended up, her last two years in law school, she ended up having kids, right? Okay. And I was like, okay, I can't afford to take care of a family <laughs> on 34750 You remember that joint, right? Yeah. And that's when, I mean, we both cried when we found out she was pregnant with the second one because it was only a year apart. And oh, wow. I said, yep. so at that point, that's what forced me into administration. Okay. Right. That's, that's the reason why I really try to push teacher salaries because you shouldn't have to be in a situation where you got to go into administration to take care of your family because the salaries are so low for teachers. Yeah. So, facts. you know, and that's why I ended up getting into administration because I couldn't afford my family. So now you're going through administration. Now you get ready for the superintendency, right? So your first superintendency was, was it Kansas, Kansas City? Kansas City, Missouri. So as you're prepping for it, right? What was the preparation like preparing for that job? And then what was the first thing that you didn't expect as a superintendent? Well, I mean, the preparation begins um, to me during your time as a, a young administrator. Okay. When you're an assistant principal and principal, I mean, those habits, if you develop the right habits at that point, mm-hmm. they just carry up as you become an assistant superintendent and superintendent. Okay. I tell people that the superintendency is just a... um it's a principalship on, it's just a super, super principalship. Hmm. And that's really what it is. Yeah. And so those same things that I did when I became a high school principal, that's kind of how I carry myself now. Okay. When it was time for me to, you know, apply, I mean, there were some search firms, firms that had approached me. Okay. I, I didn't want Kansas City. Hmm. I told them no. First of all, I was like, they're landlocked. Um, they don't yep. even do the SAT there. They, it's an ACT because Midwest is all about ACT. Yep. And it was also a district that was struggling. And I, so I was like, no, I'll pass on that. But then the search firm reached out to me again, talked to my wife. And she was, <laughs> she was the one that was like, you know, you're not going to be happy mm-hmm. at some reg- reg- regular district. Yeah. You, you need to go somewhere where you can really turn things around. And okay. So I, I I went, interviewed, got the job, and then I, I, the bag of goods that I thought I was giving was mm-hmm. was receiving was a bag of bricks. Wow! Because I remember telling the board after the first 100 days, mm-hmm. whoever told you all that this district is on the brink of accreditation lied to you all. Wow! The earliest I can see us getting accreditation in this district is 2020. Wow! Wow! So now you go to Kansas City. You, you, you turn it around. You're thinking about, or, or do, are you approached for what's next? Or how did that happen from Kansas City to Anne Arundel? Yeah, people approached me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I had many, many opportunities to leave Kansas City. Okay. Where people, you know, people in other cities, uh-huh. business leaders, all of those people reached out trying to recruit. Uh-huh. I chose Anne Arundel because I didn't want to be boxed in that all black leaders can do are turn around struggling districts, right? We can go in and we can run suburban districts 
just as well as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And and we we just need to have opportunities that we don't generally get. So I was like, you know, once I did Kansas City, it was killing me. Yeah. Because it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's just a lot, right? Yeah. The toxic stress eats at you. And wow. so even if you want to be in a district like that for 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. health-wise, you can't do it. it's generally not sustainable. It's not that people can't do the work. Mm-hmm. It's just that people cannot handle the assault of the toxic stress. That's what gets a lot of people out of it. And so you got to have people who have energy mm-hmm. to really help set a foundation in those districts. So when people come behind them, it's a little bit easier. And hopefully it allows for you to increase tenure. When I got to Kansas City, the average tenure of a superintendent over a 27-year period was 1.8 years. I got six. That made oh, okay. the longest yeah. tenure there in over 50 years. So then you come out, Kansas City, now you're in Anne Arundel. You've seen all the different dynamics. You took over Anne Arundel just post-pandemic, right? Like yeah. right outside. Yeah. What, what are some of the things that you're seeing now? Because... You, you mentor a lot of superintendents now. I know for a fact a lot of people go to you just to, for you to talk them off the cliff, right? Uh, they're like, no, nah, I got to call Mark. What are some of the things that advice that you can give some soups, whether aspiring soups, particularly post-pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is going into Anne Arundel, when I interviewed with the school board, I, I told them, um, number one, I don't need this job to survive. <clears throat> so I'm going to be... I'm going to be free in who I am. Mm-hmm. This this is who you're getting, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get somebody who's not, I'm not going to be partial to political affiliations. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be succumbing to an, an adult-centered agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be here to go all in for the, what needs to happen with kids. And the fact that I'm going to be, I will be enrolling my middle schooler into this district. Okay. What I want for her is what I want for the other 85,000 kids. Yeah. So, if if you're looking for somebody that's going to be a warrior for kids and willing mm-hmm. to be a martyr for kids, I'm your guy. Gotcha. And so that, I think, really connected with them. And then the big thing that they appreciate was I'm the type of superintendent. I'm going to put the good, the bad and the ugly out. I don't we don't manipulate data mm-hmm. um, because if if I don't give you the full picture of where we are, how do you know how to help me as a community? Mm. And so. You know, we were having a lot of violence stuff going on. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I went and invited all of the media in and we put all of our data out because I was telling the community, these are your schools. We want to train you, pay for your background checks so y'all can just be present in these schools. Mm. But most people would never just go put that kind of data out because yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah. But I'm like, look, if y'all don't know it. So now I can say I asked for help. So when you don't show up. Mm-hmm. And you gave the authentic data to help it. So kind of uh, wrap up on this. What is one piece of advice that you would give aspiring superintendents? My advice is is real simple. Maintain your humility, but operate with the professional will to do right by those you serve. Wow. People love you Uh until they don't love you anymore. Wow. And I live by that. I don't get, I don't let, any of this success, I'm not in this for the awards. Like literally, they they were trying to put my name on an award out there in Anne Arundel County, and I'm telling the guy I don't want my name on that award. I, I haven't. What? I feel like that waters it down. I haven't done anything. I feel like this award is more of a validation for the work that I did in Kansas City. 
Got you. Right? Got because you. we we did some, we Run. put in work in you Kansas did. City. You did. You did. Um, so I, I really feel like it's more of that than what I've done in the one year I've been in Anne Arundel County. Absolutely. I think there's some stuff we've done in Anne Arundel County, mm-hmm. but operating from that perspective, I think allows for you to survive. And it don't matter if they are far to the right, far to the left. What people appreciate is people being authentic, being truthful, and being vulnerable around the shortcomings. That goes a long way with anybody. Definitely. I want to appreciate you, uh, give you your flowers now. Thank you for your transparency, vulnerability, authenticity. But really, I think authenticity recognizes authenticity. Not knowing you personally, right? Just, you know, bumping into you and stuff like that. I have a new appreciation for you. The struggles that you went through, like you were actually, the growing up and everything, all those struggles forming and shaping who you are today and the ability to give back and give back unapologetically. I want to thank you. Uh, continue to do the good work. Uh, you got my, respor- my uh, support and definitely my respects. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Mark Medell, Superintendent of the Year, NAPSI. Uh, and uh, superintendent of Anne Arundel County Public Schools. I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another episode of One Door at a Time, Consent Educational Solutions Podcast, live from NAPSI. I want to give a shout out to the Atlas Group. The Atlas Group is 32 restaurants across Baltimore City, um, the broader area, Houston, D.C., uh, Philly. They're opening a restaurant like a week. I want to thank out, uh, shout out to Atlas Re- Re- uh, Restaurant Group for supporting us. From the very beginning, uh, as always, see you next time. You can download us. You can subscribe. You can view concentric.world. See you next time. I'm your host, David Eber. Thank you.